0: Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube podcast. Well, hey, hello there. It's uh, Nate here. (laughs) It's actually just Nate here. No guest today. So I I, I guess that's fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it. Anyway today we get to talk about some interesting updates that I've been seeing in the world of YouTube so it's a bit more newsy and also just my thoughts on the direction that YouTube is going right now in a few specific categories all right so context you, you ready for this oh wait the, what's the what's the phrase y'all ready for this that that's what I should have used y'all ready for this so context I was just attending vid Summit which is if you aren't aware of it it's an event that's run annually. Um, it's not hosted by YouTube, but it is um, a, a pretty well-known gathering of YouTube creators. Uh, it's hosted by Daryl Eaves, who's a well-known name. He wrote the YouTube formula, uh, the book, The YouTube Formula. Um, and so it's, it's often attended and or the speakers are often very well-known YouTubers. So if I were to start listing off several of them, uh, Mr. Beast, Eric, uh, Ryan Trahan, uh, Darman, a lot of uh, Colin and Samir, a lot of YouTubers that you, it's a very high likelihood that you yourself have heard of and/or watched uh, their channels, as well as a lot of people attending, where, whether or not they were speaking, were also had large YouTube channels or well-known YouTube channels. It was kind of crazy to be walking around and be like, oh my gosh, I, I know that person's YouTube channel, or, or to be approached by, uh, as was the case with me, Matthew Beam. I hadn't actually watched any of his videos, but he came up to me and said, "Hey, I watch your channel." And it was only afterwards I realized, "Oh my gosh, like <laughs> he's got a great YouTube channel." And and I hadn't I didn't even put two and two together. So, that's kind of the caliber of event it was. But one of the particular presentations was um, by Renee Ritchie, and I, I will have to forgive me, I don't remember the name of someone else on the team at YouTube. So Renee Ritchie is the new, as of recording this, he's the new YouTube Creator Liaison. And the goal of the Creator Liaison is typically what we've seen in the past is YouTube will find someone who already has a YouTube channel, who, who has spent a good amount of time building a successful audience, and they'll hire them to basically be the bridge between the YouTube as the company and the creators on YouTube. Because that relationship is very important to the YouTube company. It's how they make their money. If, if people, if their creators are happy, if they continue making content, that is where YouTube content comes from. So it's pretty important. So that's Rene Ritchie. Um, but he gave a speech uh, or a, it was more like a Q&A with him, himself and the other uh, YouTube person on the YouTube team. And they discussed a few new exciting updates. YouTube Shorts Monetization, uh, how YouTube Shorts are handled in the grand scheme of things on YouTube, as well as uh, the YouTube Music Library. It's a new feature they're just um, releasing, or it's rolling out here pretty soon. So I wanted to share some th- thoughts on this. If you haven't yet heard about these updates, here's the very brief. Um, here's the very brief news at right now. So YouTube has announced YouTube Shorts monetization, which means that. Previously, YouTube Shorts were not monetized aside from the YouTube Shorts Fund, which was really uh, lame. <laughs> if I can put the that word on it, it was it was not very good. I I knew personally knew creators that I reached out to; they had gotten oh something like fifty million, hundred million views on their uh, YouTube Shorts, and they had gotten. as a result of the creative fund. So it wasn't very successful. And I had said previously that if YouTube can figure out monetization for YouTube Shorts, meaning it based on views, uh, similar to the YouTube Partner Program, then they might win this Shorts game. And lo and behold, they announced it recently that they are rolling out Partner Program monetization on Shorts, which is going to be really, really huge. If they handle this well, the other competitors, namely TikTok, Instagram, those others, will have to adapt and introduce their own version of this. Or it's my projection that they will struggle if they don't have additional uh, reasons to, uh, for users to come to their platform and, and create content for it because it's, it's just better if you have the promise of making money by creating content and it's more predictable, it's just better. So they've rolled that out. And and then they also announced the the threshold that it requires for that. But I'm gonna get to how you get monetized with just YouTube Shorts. I'm gonna get to that here in a moment. First of all, I just wanted to point out here that these new updates, to me, from the YouTube, I, I guess spending so much time in the YouTube world, to me show one thing very clearly, YouTube really wants YouTube Shorts to work. They really want it to work. But not only that, but they also want the, the strengths of Shorts to not outweigh the other strengths of other types of content they have on their, on their platform. Sure, they're going to lean into it, they're going to make it big, but they also don't want the other types of content to become obsolete which is probably one of the most repeated sentiments when I ask, uh, like in the Channel Makers uh, YouTube channel community, I ask, hey, what's your opinion of YouTube Shorts? There's always comments like, ah, I hate them. They're stupid because they're changing viewer behavior and my audience doesn't have as long of a, or the general audience, I should say, not just my audience, but the general audience has a shorter uh, attention span, so they're they're ruining the other forms of content on YouTube, similar to that sentiment. I'm obviously not quoting anybody or calling anybody out here. But, however, uh, after listening to this presentation, uh, it's very clear, uh, yet again, from Rene Ritchie and, and the other YouTube um, team member, they want all of their types of content to succeed. And not only that, but they want them to be able to succeed if the channel maker desires on the same channel. So when I say that, I mean regular, you know, horizontal, long-form content, YouTube lives, um, even YouTube stories, though they didn't mention those, and... YouTube Shorts. They want those to be able to live simultaneously on the same channel. Now, you know this as well as I do, or or to a degree with your own experimentation. It's been a rough road (laughs) to to get that to succeed. With if you if you're not up to uh, up to date on how that's working, for a while there, I was recommending that you put YouTube Shorts on a separate channel because I was seeing it affect long form videos and on. And recently they rolled out, their, their um, they said at least they're looking to bridge the gap so that the algorithm recognizes if someone watches YouTube shorts, they're more likely to get recommended your long-form videos. It's not performing how I want it to yet, as reported by uh, some of you. And actually, I spoke with a couple of you there at VidSummit um, saying that it was not performing the way you wanted it to yet. So you release a couple of shorts and then the next long-form videos haven't been getting as many views So they're still working on it. It's still the Wild West there. But all that to tie it together here and say, I see YouTube really wanting this to work. So if the company is so vastly invested in making YouTube Shorts work, it makes sense. And again, I've said this recently in the past couple months. It makes sense to consider testing them again on your channel. If you've already created a separate channel, maybe, you know, put a piece of content on just the Shorts only channel and on your primary channel. Just see how they perform uh, simultaneously. The reason I say that is it it's tough because there, there's early adopters and then there's late adopters for a type of, of content. And... Early adoption, I mean, you could argue that happened over a year ago when they first started rolling out this feature, YouTube Shorts. You could argue that that happened. But it's still, from my perspective, an early era. Now, their early adopter era, it's still the Wild West of YouTube Shorts. Still, I they've been getting a lot of success. A lot of creators are having great success with them, and, and that's fine. But with the introduction of monetization and continued updates to the algorithm to try to make them work with other forms of content on the platform. It's the risk versus reward type of thing. I think it would I would be remiss if I were to say, oh yeah, dive head first, go all in on YouTube Shorts and there won't be any issues with the rest of your channel. I, I do not think that that is the case as of recording this. I really do not. There's going to be risks and potentially, um, hopefully, short-term damaging effects um, from doing them. Now, all what all that might look like, I mean, it'd probably be to the effect of, you know, views going down on other videos on your channel temporarily. I, I don't know everything that that would entail, mostly because I don't write the algorithm. <laughs> and I know it's always evolving. However, having said that, having the skill sets and the the capacity or the bandwidth to test this new format, could have really good payoffs in the long-term and potentially explosions in the short term of success. Um, Now with monetization, and I don't just mean in monetization, like you release some shorts and you get a lot of money from it. I don't just mean that, although that is a nice, really nice perk from being YouTube partner program monetized at this point. Uh, I mean, on other areas, the potential for wider spread of audience wider attention uh, for your content and leading it to the re- remainder of your content. There's still huge potential for that. Okay. A few mo- uh, one other note here. Actually, no, I'm going to say this here. One of the things mentioned that I, they didn't give any details, but one of the things mentioned at this Fit Summit speech was the ability to take a long form piece of content, cut out a section of it and publish that as a YouTube short, potentially all on the YouTube platform, meaning like the, the app on your phone. And, but not only that, and they've had that for a while to take little clips, et cetera, right? But not only that, but maybe the ability to link directly from the YouTube short to the long form version of that short, If YouTube really makes this work, if there's like a button or some sort of clear direct way that if they find you on the short speed, if your audience finds you on the short speed and they're able to click a button, something like that and say, hey, watch the full version and it takes them directly to the full version, that could have huge benefits. I can't even, I haven't haven't even explored all the possibilities of what that could be, but it's the most direct way that I have heard of yet for getting viewers from the broad appeal, the broad audience of YouTube Shorts to the rest of your content. If the algorithm and that sort of direct connection can be made, that could be huge. Um, And now, unfortunately, I don't have additional details on it, but if they roll that out, that might potentially change our strategy for how we decide to do long-form videos. (laughs) Because if we create a long-form video, it could be that we, while we're editing it, that we think, okay, this section, it will still make sense. This, you know, 60 second or less section can still make sense in the context of the long form video. But I'm also gonna make this so that it could be a standalone YouTube short and have a compelling reason to watch the rest of the video. That could be a game changer. It could be it could change how we create content going forward. So that's really exciting to me. The other thing I'm gonna say about monetization is, and this is what I alluded to earlier, where the so the requirements previously, if you're aware up to this point, it, for long-form content was a thousand subscribers, four thousand watch hours on YouTube. Now the new requirement for YouTube Shorts is 10 million views within a 30-day period, uh, and as well as a thousand subscribers. Now that can seem very steep, especially if we haven't, if you haven't been getting a lot of success with YouTube Shorts or elsewhere on YouTube. Um, what they're banking on here is what's interesting because I was just bringing this up in a conversation with Cody on my team um, before recording this, and he was saying, yeah, it it kind of feels like they just put an arbitrary number on it. Like, well, I guess uh, 10 million views. That number might change. However, my thought here is you can bet they put a good amount of thought into this before they decided to roll it out publicly. This 10 million views over 90 days, right? And the reason I say that is Because if I were YouTube, I'd be looking at, okay, so we've set this this milestone of 4,000 watch hours. What is the equivalent value to us as a company in terms of shorts views? And for whatever reason, they decided that 10 million shorts views was the equivalent of 4,000 watch hours elsewhere. They could correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here, Uh, if they want to you know if they provide further updates or comments on this. But that's my thinking on it. It it only makes sense. We've got to make it equivalent. So for whatever reason they they settled on 10 million views. Now what does that mean to you and I as creators? That means that potentially the amount of revenue, total revenue, made from 10 million views with this new YouTube Partner Program is is going to be equivalent to about the total revenue of 4,000 watch hours it kind of only makes sense. The logical conclusion there is, if they're trying to make an equivalent there, that's what we're looking at. So again, I guess coming back to this, if our strategy is to make YouTube Shorts the full thing we're doing, just know that the numbers are going to have to be a lot higher from a YouTube Partner Program standpoint to to be making, and and numbers I mean views, 10 million views versus the 4,000 watch hours. So I think you're following with what I'm saying here. I'm hoping this is making sense thus far. Uh, The next thing that was interesting to me about this was... Well, okay, sorry. One more thing on this monetization thing here, I'm realizing. So it is, there's a shorter time period. It's 90 days versus, I believe it's 12 months. 4,000 watch hours within a 12 months period. Uh, And then, so... And it can be either or. So if your channel is already monetized on one, then it can, then it also is monetized for long form content and vice versa. Uh, So if it gets monetized first via shorts, et cetera, I think I've explained myself enough here. All right. Another comment here. Um, Specifically, this is just a fun little update. I did a video recently on channel makers as of recording this, where I was talking about uh, creators that keep burning out and propose a new feature, a UI feature for a break mode on YouTube. And in the video, I said it'd be great if we could get in contact with the uh, from someone from YouTube. And lo and behold, Renee Ritchie, the the YouTube creator liaison, actually commented on that video, and he said, "Hey, you you got in contact with someone? So actually, he was there at VidSummit. I was able to speak with him, and um, we're hoping to have further conversations and just see what comes out of it. which would be kind of cool. I'll keep you I'll keep you updated on what happens with that. All right. Now I wanted to speak on the music library update. What they're doing and essentially, is they are rolling out a feature where they are able to offer, they have to, behind the scenes, they have to create deals with all of these musicians and artists, etc. But where they're able to offer popular, quote unquote, popular or mainstream songs for you as a YouTube creator to use within your videos. And Previously, I mean, that was always the option, but previously that meant that you would get a copyright claim. And most of the time that meant either a full or a partial amount of the YouTube Partner Program revenue from your video would be claimed by that artist if you use their music. Now, the crazy thing about this is you're you're able to essentially license popular music now through the YouTube platform. And if they can see that you bought a single license, like... It's one use for one video. That's how they're treating it right now. So if you're able to show, hey, I, and it's all on their platform, so they'll be able to track it really well. And you say, hey, I bought a license for this video and I use a song in this video. Therefore, you're covered. You will not get copyright claims anymore in theory. Now, I'm sure there may be mistakes as they're working out the kinks, et cetera, but that's how it's looking right now. Now, they're offering... The interesting thing here is they're offering two different license types. So one is a revenue split. So I think you don't pay anything up front and you just say, hey, I'm going to revenue split this and whatever YouTube Partner Program revenue occurs from this video that I use this popular artist song in, I'm going to split the revenue with them. And I, I don't think they said any exact numbers, but some sort of revenue split. The other option is you just pay an upfront fee to use that artist's song. And what they repeated again and again was that that fee would probably be based on, first of all, on the artists themselves, they can set some rates, but then second of all, on your channel size. It only makes sense. A very small channel, um, there's a lot more potential if there's if there's a lot more potential for that song to get seen by uh, that video to get seen by a lot of people and you have a larger channel, then they might charge more. It might be on a scale. They, they repeated that several times. They didn't give any details beyond that. The funny thing to me is if I was relying on music in my videos, I, even if it was a hundred dollars to license a song, I, you can bet I'm going to do that rather than the revenue split thing. There's no way I'm going to do the revenue split thing. (laughs) Because if it's all based on the potential for that video to spread, what if my video gets 5 million views? I don't want to give them thousands of dollars for that revenue share versus just paying up front once, $100, $200. I don't know how much the amounts is going to be, but I don't know about you, but it doesn't make almost any sense for me to do any sort of revenue split. Unless... It's at early stages and cash really is tight, which I totally get that if that is the case. Uh, early stages of channel, then you don't have to pay anything for that song. But almost every other case, I would say, heck, just pay the licensing fee. <laughs> it's worth it to not have to revenue share. So that's the options there. Um, I'm really excited about this, particularly if you have a channel that. Relies heavily on well. First of all, I mean, if you rely heavily on popular music, this is going to be huge, huge game changer, uh, because j- just the ability to use popular music—if if that's like a core central part of the content you're creating right now, or might be in the future, this will be huge. Um, and also, it'll be interesting for channels that ha- use—I um, want to say more—that are more trending or entertainment based. That have more of pop culture elements. If you can use a popular song right then within your video and and not get copyright claimed for it, that'll be great. The other thing is, I know there was a service for a while. It's the only one I'm aware of. It's possible there were other ones. I think it was called Licked, Lick D, Licked, and they were offering popular music for licensing fees exactly like this. I. I'm sure the the higher-ups of that company right now are freaking out right now because this will essentially put them out of business because they were offering popular music for license uh, fees, very similar to this model. So give it a go. Give it an experiment, Uh, both of those things, YouTube Shorts and uh, this new music library. The library is going to be rolling out here uh, pretty soon. I don't know. I I don't remember the exact timeline they put for it. Okay, one other comment I just had to make as a result of this VidSummit event. There were several speakers, this was nothing personal against any of them. There were several speakers, very, very large YouTube channels. If I were to name them, you would probably recognize the name or you'd be able to look it up and you'd say, oh, this channel has you know 20 million subscribers. Like I'm talking that size of channel that spoke at this vid summit. And it was interesting to me how many spoke as if the way that they were gonna show how to grow a YouTube channel was the way. To grow a YouTube channel, it was the thing. Like they, if they and they even some of them even said, if you only apply one percent of what I'm about to tell you, you will get a hundred thousand subscriber YouTube channel within a year or, or two. Um, that was stated by a few of them. Similar promises like that, and it was interesting because from my perspective, watching these people presenting, I was I, the the recurring thought was this is a dang good way to grow a YouTube channel. But it's exactly just that. It's a way for your type of channel. To, I'm speaking to the person that was uh, speaking on stage, and because it's a way, I think it's very easy for you and I, uh, especially creators that aren't as familiar with with building a YouTube channel, to assume that when the, a big channel says, "Hey, I this is the way to do it," like this is the most successful way to build a YouTube channel, realize that they only have that YouTube channel. Sometimes they have multiple channels, but usually if they have multiple channels, all of the channels follow a similar pattern and have a similar audience. But the thing is, I could name multiple cases where a piece of advice was given that would not work for a different style of channel. If anything, it would actually be bad for the other type of channel. It's a mini rant, I realize this. (laughs) This is an innate rant here. Uh, and, And it's... And it's not that I blame them, uh, that they're purposely trying to mislead. I think their advice is really good if you're trying to build a very similar channel to what, it, what, they were, what their channel is, right? But it's like a person, if someone goes fishing and they only ever fish in a certain stream with a, with a single fishing rod, let's say that that's all they use is a single fishing rod and a single stream, that, that's what they're doing. And maybe they, they get their friends into the same stream with the same fishing rod and they're all like catching fish. They're like, this is amazing. This is awesome. But what happens if I'm trying to use a different fishing style or I'm in a different stream, it's the same thing here. And it's, it can be easy for that fisherman to say, well, this is the only way look how much, how much money it's made me look how big my channel is because of this, this, and this. Uh, And it made me realize one of the big focuses that I have had with project 24 is being able to understand a huge variety of channels. And understand the nuances of what it takes to build one versus the other. It's one of the primary reasons why I've, why I rolled out the archetype ratio, the the archetype mix, and I have really cool uh, future potential updates to categorizing and just understanding your audience's location on YouTube and how to build a YouTube channel with that audience, not just what the the oft repeated advice given by this creator or the other. Now, again, it's not that that advice is bad. It's that it's most often wrong. And I realized, I know, I realize it. I, I'm, I'm tooting my horn a little bit here. <laughs> the amount of exposure across a huge variety of industries and asking myself questions like, what are the patterns? What led to that success? And where are they different than what is said elsewhere on YouTube? Has turned into somewhat of a superpower within Project 24. With you listening here, it's turned into a bit of a massive advantage because the fact is your channel is unique and your channel is going to have a different growth trajectory than almost any other channel. So it's almost better to understand what the, 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 the signposts of success that are leading in the right direction rather than a specific, exact, like this is the only way to succeed on YouTube. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying here. It's better to understand why the success was made and, and, and learn how to think about YouTube versus just being given or just understanding, or yeah, just being given what to think about YouTube. It's far more powerful to be understanding how to think about YouTube which is really one of my biggest goals with what I'm doing in the YouTube system and, and here with the podcast uh, is to help you understand why things are happening the way they are on your channel and um, how to replicate or how not to replicate rep, replicate what went on behind the scenes, what your audience is doing, because it's not just one fishing rod and one stream. There's a, your, your channel is unique, and the more you can understand why the more effective you will be as a channel maker. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in here. Uh, just as a reassurance, that has been my goal from the beginning to understand that and to do my best to share that with you. And also just share these notes from VidSummit. It's a really cool event. And uh, I think that's all I have. Take what what you're learning here and apply it to your own channel. Give me some, some if you have follow-up questions, go ahead and post them in the, the Project 24 community and we'll see you there.